This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, 
Memorias, Composer Spotlights, and more. Always Mas. Good afternoon. I hope you're enjoying your day. This is Tony Diaz with Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. Really appreciate you joining us for another glimpse into the Latino literary renaissance. We have a lot of show for you today. Of course, we begin with a little bit of a soapbox where we're going to start breaking down all the stereotypes that have been aimed at us in the last week, including... The Trump administration's General Kelly referring to dreamers and I think some possible DACA recipients as, and I'm checking, I believe we can say this on the, I think we can say this on the air. Can we say lazy A behind? So lazy behinds. I'm going to ask Jack to find, get a confirmation we can say that uh, on the air through the FCC. But we're only facing this conundrum because it was used by an actual White House official to refer to our community. That's just one of the stereotypes. We have a lot of show for you today, too. At the stop, at the top of the show, we're going to have as an official guest, although I'm bringing it in on the soapbox, too, as an official guest, Stace Manayi, who's going to be talking about his awesome blog, which I know you know. I know you formed opinions about the topics he's brought up, and... You probably met him at some great community events, or if you're tuning into another stater later on, he's informed you about what's going on for real. Dos centavos, dos centavos, G in the house right Thank now. You, Tony, thanks for having me. I'm proud to be here again. Awesome. No, really wonderful to to convene with you, especially now that I think the work that you do is even more important because you've outlived the Houston press. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness. Well, um, I'm going on 13 years now coming out blogging. blogging. Exciting. Uh, so, That's uh, great. And I think today is a perfect example of why we need it. And then, of course, we'll have some other information for you. But I don't want to make light of how important our soapbox is for different reasons. We're about to bring up some language that's being used by public officials to talk about our community. These are definitely stereotypes, and we're not being oversensitive. We're trying to save them from, one, either getting sued for unequal protection, and we're trying to save our community from suffering from policies formed by folks with these stereotypes in mind. Also want to fill you in on several other events. I'm depressing you right now. So We're so happy that we had our first live Nuestra Palabra Showcase of 2018 last week. That was so much fun. It is great to have live showcases. We'll be convening again every last Wednesday of the month like we did in the old days up to the 20th anniversary showcase, which is Wednesday, April 25th. Now, if we continue them or not, we'll, we'll decide at that time. But we just wanted to build up to those grand old days. And we're celebrating two decades of delivering our word, our way. They tried to ban it. Texas State Board of Education won't deliver it to the classrooms. We have to do everything ourselves. And I'm happy to join you. Again, Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays. Sundays, 7 a.m. on Fox 26 Houston, What's Your Point? Where I make Republicans cry. Mondays, <laughs> pros every every Monday at noon. Uh, I'll deliver a new post on the Cultural Accelerator at 20Ds.net. And hey, you're with us here on Tuesday like we've been doing. This really is important because I don't think enough sources are going to talk about... <sighs> He he called us lazy butts. <laughs> uh, Stace, why is this a big deal? This is, I mean, what he was trying to do in his own little language, I guess, was talk about how Trump and his new offer right now of one point eight million that he wants to provide a path to something uh, in this uh, uh, grand plan of his that includes a border wall. What he was trying to do is that 800,000 people applied. There's actually uh, 1.8 million, so a million didn't apply. So he was referring specifically, I guess, to those million. 
uh, who didn't apply. But they didn't apply for various reasons. Some, so I, I see what you're saying. You're being fair. You're saying he's pointing out that the in a very awful way, in a terrible <laughs> way, by beating us with a bat while he does it. Yeah. I bought you a present. Say that, hey, the pool is this size. The offering is for a larger amount. Here's the complication. Though, go on. Oh no, <laughs> yeah. I mean it can be financial. It can be uh, fear. I mean, uh, this last this set of people that didn't apply is because of the fear they had of being found in case. A new president that was supportive of DACA wasn't elected. For example, Trump, who goes either way depending on the day. Now, and, and, and again, we'll, I'll I'll stop us when we get a little too in depth because I don't want to do a better job than coming to America. We'll do it after us because because we, <laughs> we will do a better job talking. About <laughs> of course, I want you to stay tuned for coming to America, the immigration show where they do take call-ins and they are real lawyers. So, yes. so we are not lawyers. Speak to a real lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> right? But uh, on that note, one facet is it's like $450 tanto dollars yeah. to apply for, for DACA. If you don't think that's a lot of money, bless you. Bless your heart. Yes, if you've got it. If, that, if that's change for you, you need to donate that to a couple of the dreamers who may be eligible now. <laughs> if that's throwaway cash for you. So first of all, is that about – I think the other part with that, we're just staying on the money part of it like you brought up um, – you know, again, if these young folks are well, no, they're they're probably working. They're working on the table. They're working under the table for illegal Americans who are paying for them. Hey, I got no beef with that. You know, I I as a citizen, I worked under the table, or as a citizen, I mean, as a citizen during interns. You know, I was exp- I, I said, yeah, you know what? I can't compete with you with my resume. I'll work for free. So I get that part, and I know both Democrats and Republicans have benefited from labor that's under the table i get that the whole economy of texas survives on that on that note if you're making six bucks an hour 450 tanto dollars is a lot of money do, do the math yourself right now secondly if you had a clean track record and you spoke english really well maybe you could fill the forms out yourself if you got one complication i advise you get a lawyer again show after us not a- yes <laughs> <laughs> right but there's more money right there yes you know, and then the whole thing is, if you don't speak English well, do you go? So that's just that one part. Let's talk about the fear. Break that down. Well, uh, um, again, DACA in itself, as the as uh, President Obama's executive order, had no real protection other than uh, prosecutorial distri- discretion, which means. Uh, <laughs> oh my lord! Break that down. <laughs> I mean, meaning uh, Homeland Security was going to, dis- or the agency involved would be. Uh, deciding whether you would be deported or not. Actually, that ties in their whole stereotypes because the president said, yo, use your common sense, use your judgment, and if they're not killers or murderers, and if they're probably just working, you know, don't focus on them, go get the killer. I mean, that that's prosecutorial discretion. That's huge at that yeah. time. Now, it, the prosecutorial discretion is go get everybody. You know, so you're right. You're right. There were no, there were no legal protections for these folks. It was just that word, whatever yeah. that word might mean. Whoa, and protection from deportation, basically. And uh, so, at this point, you know, we're we're losing 122, or that are coming out of status now, out of DACA status, as we wait for Congress <sighs> to do something now. And uh, and it's a very stressful situation uh, for a lot of these uh, young people. Uh, what's next? You know, we're waiting for Congress to do something uh, every day. There's a there seems to be a shouting match between uh, the president's office. And, of course, now we have lazy butts to talk about. <laughs> and, Jeez. Uh, and so it's uh, not lazy. It's terrified. Yes. Terrified, poor. And uh, those are basically probably the top two reasons, I would think. And, and actually, the 800 who did sign in, do sign up, who had the money to get all, all that. And money raised for them, community efforts that were done also. Different, you know, folks helped out, uh, you know, like like you said. And like you said earlier, we're talking off the air, is that now these folks are in the system. So, you know, Trump's deportation machine knows where they are. Yes. Knows where they were. They're at great risk. And and obviously in even more fear. And the workplace folks had to report that they were working there. So now the workplace folks who, you know, they're involved as well. Uh, yes. They were driving legally. Now they won't be able to drive legally. 
Um, all, all these things that add up to the fear of the folks who did, they weren't lazy because they didn't, they didn't sign up. They were scared for all these reasons. I know a lot of students, too, who are scared and worried about what to do next. Do they keep going to school? You know, which is heartbreaking. Yes, and then that affects, it affects, you know, people keep talking about how it affects the economy. Uh, if pe people aren't working or if it's under the table, how uh, not going to school, that's going to affect uh, the school district's bottom line because they rely on attendance to to get their tax dollars. And so a lot of things will be affected. What one has to ask at this point is, does the president, anybody that's against immigrants, do they even care? Do they want to uh, have a solution? And the problem with that stereotype is it suggests no, because they think that these kids were just playing video games. And it's, it's interesting, too, because it's almost like not just a stereotype against us, which is the lazy Mexicans. Basically, homeboy called us lazy Mexicans. Yes. You know, so, so we have a general who's, who's used to management. And he, he's supposed to be the parent in, in the crazy kid room out there. That's yeah. the okay? And a lot of people were hopeful. You know, once that, oh, he used to be a general, he'll be great at uh, keeping, you know, the the Twitter away from uh, Trump. But uh, obviously he is part of the machine and uh, where it comes from. Well, again, he he headed up, uh, was it Homeland Security uh, prior to that? So he ha he's had his way of thinking for a long time. And and which really concerns me then because then it's like. How did this stereotype influence other policies? Because there's the stereotype of the lazy Mexican, mm -hmm. and then there's a stereotype against millennials too, that millennials won't get off their butts. I, I, I got to find out if we can say that for FCC violations because I'm dying to say it, but I'll check during the musical break. But that's the other problem with it too. They think that the kids were busy playing video games, too busy to, gee, should I protect my status? And... It's very flippant. So either uh, either he doesn't know the process and all the nuances, and he's in charge, or or he has these stereotypes about us. Yes, and the thing is, the stereotypes uh, the stereotypes feed their political supporters on the ground. They're the ones that'll call Congress to. Uh, tell their representatives to vote against a bill, you know, whatever they come up with, because they might want a wall, but they sh sure don't want uh, <laughs> what they're going to call amnesty or, uh, you know, which could be just a simple legalization just to keep them safe. So, uh, yeah, I mean, all these stereotypes are, are playing into the members of Congress are playing into the people that supported them. And, and revealing the, the minds, imaginations, and hearts that were there creating these rules yes. to begin with. Uh, we, we can throw a few stereotypes in there. Well, let's do this, and let's see how many we can get. <laughs> <laughs> we got to be on like 24-7 to really address all of this. And let, let, let's see. So we have not had a time to talk about the um, asshole comment, which he directed towards African countries in El Salvador. Right as TPS was being um, taken away, then last Tuesday um, we were up at Texas State Board of Education fighting for Mexican American Studies. Several stereotypes floating around there as well. Um, I would say this: it appears to me that Texas State Board of Education wants to impose a procedural poll tax to keep us from getting. Mexican-American studies, uh, but I want to share with you some of the stereotypes that, and again, I spare people from the hate mail, and here, here's the formula, too. <laughs> it's kind of like, for every 20,000 people who love you, there's one hater, so millions of people must love me, okay, <laughs> but, but here's just some of the emails that, that we get, and these are from, and I can tell from the email addresses, these are elected officials on school boards throughout Texas, or some administrators, and they will send emails to me back like, uh, Mexican-American Studies is the balkanization of education. Uh, what's, another one said, I don't want to hear about your open borders delusions. <laughs> and even a Texas State Board of Ed member asked, 
if calling Mexican-American studies Mexican-American studies was not ideological versus calling it Latino studies. No, it is not. It's factual because this used to be Mexico. where <laughs> Texas borders Mexico. The Spanish we utter is influenced directly by Mexico. 66% of Latinos are Mexican. One-third of Houstonians are Mexican or Mexican descent. The food you're eating is influenced Tex-Mex. The <laughs> you know, whole cowboy experience is Tex-Mex. So it's not ideological. It's factual. Don't get me wrong. I love my Latino brothers and sisters. Let's do that. But I know that they're trying to kick the can down the line and put us off for another four years instead of give us what we got now. And the, the last stereotype I'm going to throw out there, Stace, I, I think we need to talk to you for five hours. Here's the last stereotype. Here's the last stereotype. Chain migration okay. that is the new anchor baby slur and in a little bit i'll give you my new poem about that and you can actually take a sneak peek if you go to libra Traficante's facebook page i got the the video poem on there i'll share that with you stace have at it <laughs> where, you... do we, where do we begin <laughs> with uh chain migration i mean just another term uh that the anti-immigrant side is throwing out there again it riles up their base uh, it, I've seen lies, you know, just from Twitter, from uh, their base of support, saying that anybody who came in uh, <laughs> uh, that went through the legal process, the legalization process, and wants to sponsor a relative that they have cousins and you know distant relatives that they put in there. That, that's a that's a great one. Let's let's jump on that one because the president said that on national TV or State of the Union. And then their, his supporters have just run, <laughs> run with it. And run with that. Story. Now, and, uh, and again, I mean, you had, I've seen uh, immigration lawyers arguing with people on Twitter over like, no, I'm an immigration lawyer. <laughs> I know what this is. And, uh, and you, you can't, and let's just remind folks, there's no way that if I marry someone from across the border, I you know I can make her a permanent resident, but there's nowhere she can ask for her cousin Beto. <laughs> you know, like it's just not. There's no extrapolation that allows. So so here's the scary part with these stereotypes. You 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 touched on some great things. All the supporters now, and again, I'm telling you, we send out messages and we get back this hate mail because these folks believe the stereotypes. But the president either and what his followers are going to say is. He didn't lie because he didn't have the intent. Well, the problem then is either he doesn't know. <laughs> yes, and uh, who's advising him? <laughs> and I think that'd be worse. Like, like yeah. it's yeah. almost better if he lied because then at least he knows the immigration law, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Versus the person running the ship doesn't know how to swim, you know. Yeah. So, so, so it is bad. Um, and. And the other line he had in there, I didn't know he knew the word infinite, but he said infinitely ask for people. It just doesn't make sense no, no. at all, at, at at all. So, um, so, so tell us some of your posts coming up. So, you know, Dustin Thomas has been going to how long now? 13 years come April. Congratulations. And, uh, thank you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, when I first started it, I was doing two, three posts a day, you know, and, uh, in the last few years, I slowed down a lot, and a lot of things happen. Uh, you know, life happens, but uh, now I'm getting back into the swing of things, trying to get into other technologies, podcasts, stuff like that. And I, we, me and a, a buddy of mine, had tried some uh, podcasts and got some a good number of listeners. So, whether it's with him or other friends that I got out there, we're gonna try to do something. And even right now, on my own, I'm planning some. Uh, interviews with uh candidates that are running now in the primaries and which is what i've been writing about mostly right great now. no and you've got some great list of all the candidates who's supporting who uh give us some insights into that how do you see how do you see this brewing because it's gonna be a big deal march uh, uh say. well i mean where we're seeing a lot of the action is in the congressional races and it could be the congressional congressional district 29 which is the north side to the eastern part of harris county where uh, you have Sylvia Garcia, uh, you have uh, Roel Garcia, you have uh, several <laughs> others that are running. All the Garcias. Uh, at least two candidates have some big money, and uh, 
and I think you're seeing it in the form of signs. You're probably going to see it in the form of TV ads. So uh, I, I don't live in know. the district. Of course, you know, uh, we've known some the folks out there for a long time. Yeah. That's part of community. I so, don't live in that district either, but are you, my friend, are you, a lot of my friends are they are seeing there. it? Are they seeing it? Yeah. I mean, uh, and it's getting even uh, for CD29, they're getting a lot of uh, – press now because this is the seat that gene green gave up that yes. was that was a um now i want to stress something here again um so when we say hispanic opportunity district i want you to remember then that everything else is a white opportunity district okay so <laughs> so, so all the but, white that, and i'll i'll we'll tell you this much it's changing though i mean you can you you look at 20 the 29th district and it's 77 percent latino voting population a little bit less than that but it's still good enough to make it a Hispanic opportunity district. You look at Congressional District 7, which is on the west side, and Congressional District 2, which is the north side. It comes, I think it comes all the way over here into Montrose. Uh, and both uh, those districts are already at about 30, 31% Latino. So, you know, they're becoming very diverse districts as far as uh, equally, or the way it's dealt out is probably 31% white, 12% black and another 30% Latino and then everything else. So uh, those two races are getting very active. And you're seeing, I think, in the 7th District, you have one Latino that's actually running over there. What I'd like to see is that uh, Latinos running everywhere, not just where we're comfortable. And uh, so that's, that's, a great point. That, that's something we're seeing more of now. And uh, that's a good thing, whether people like it or not, for whatever reasons. Everybody has their favorite candidate. Right. And uh, so when somebody else comes in that who is that person, they didn't know who it was, but uh, they see a lot of activity coming from them. They start questioning, you know, what's going on? <laughs> you know, so, uh, so we're seeing a lot of that, too. And I'm glad, you know, I think it needs to be mm. happening. We need to be everywhere. That's a great point, and and I, I would venture to say if we, if we see traditional campaigns, we'll have traditional results, which we have not been happy with. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and uh, yeah, so yeah, and and it's if if it's really a democracy, then we're going to have choices. You know, we we just can't go with that guy has mm -hmm. a lot of money. Well, he also might be a piece of furniture that doesn't do anything. Just <laughs> stands there, you know, doesn't talk to people. I've been to some meetings where I see. A couple of candidates, you look at their uh, finance records uh, uh, for their contributions, and they haven't raised anything, but they are great in a room. They're shaking everybody's hands. They're having conversations about anything, and that interests people. When somebody shows up and they've raised half a million dollars, but, you know, they're just talking to their favorite mm -hmm. uh, politico that's there, well, you know. That's the traditional campaign yeah ah. they're going to be getting 10 pieces of mail they're going to be getting phone calls and they're going to be uh getting all sorts of contacts but well who's will, going out there and, and will people really feel it is the question key. you know and I, and i tend to question that a lot lately that mm. all these people with all the money are they going to really connect i love it and we're not seeing i think that's i think that's what happened in 2016 i think that's been happening a lot that uh, politicians just aren't connecting. Now, now uh, again, just so that we don't. Well, actually, we are just slamming one team now because they had all the stereotypes. But let's throw in a little. <laughs> let's throw a little uh, meat for uh, against Democrats too. Oh, I'm equal so, opportunity. Because so. <laughs> <laughs> Kennedy, you had Kennedy give the rebuttal to Trump's. That's that's easy, you know. Now the one, and I, I you know, I give him some high marks. The one slip up is that I think the Democrats can't think just by speaking Spanish. That you're gonna get the Latino vote, you know? And, and I was about to say, but he spoke Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna vote for him now. Oh my goodness! I, was like, I had people tell me that. I'm like, well, that's not enough. I mean, I, I mean, I, I was the typical Chicano family from South Texas. We had a tapestry, the velvet tapestry on our wall of John F. Kennedy on our wall. You know, we had a, we had the whole thing, but. Uh, at some point, you know, you, you start asking, you know, our legacies a good thing and, you know, we well, see them. And, and it goes back to what you're saying. It's saying, like, th those are all fine and dandy, but you still got to be among the people, you know. And uh, I'm going to give it up, you know, uh, Rob, Bobby Kennedy, he was there in the Deep South with yeah. Raza saying, hey, Sheriff, you're racist. I'm going to read you. The, the famous line is, I'm going to read you. You should read the Constitution, Sheriff, and stop discriminating. So... That's different. He didn't yeah. say it in Spanish. No, no. And that's the you don't have <laughs> you to. You don't have to. You don't have to say it in Spanish. You got to know us. If you're with us, us, yeah. 
and that's the and that's the key. You have to fight for us. If you're just if you just give the same old line of I support comprehensive immigration reform, that's not going to be enough either. You know, it was and, like and, get into the. And how about this? Let's get real specific. Right now is the time. Right now we've been called lazy Mexicans by the general. Uh, the you got Trump lying about chain migration, which is the new uh, you know um, slur, just like Anchor Baby was. And you got Texas Board of Education denying us. Uh, they're treating us like second-class citizens. Where are our heroes and leaders? So I, I like what you're saying. Don't, don't say it in Spanish. Step up and do something real right yeah, now. And, and that's definitely it. We are looking for heroes. And uh, unfortunately, you look at whatever the different cultures, uh, ethnic groups, everybody's looking for some sort of hero. And it's not gelling all as one as far as we're looking for that one hero sometimes. And I think we need to have those tough conversations about what we, as a people, as a whole, what we want. You know, I'm thinking Latinos need to have that conversation, too, amongst ourselves somehow. And not just the the usual suspects that, you know, show up to stuff. You That's know? a great point. Maybe we should give them, hey, here are the issues that, I mean, it seems obvious, but Maybe we do have to be Oh, that. well, then you get your excuses of, well, it costs money to run a campaign, and it costs money to just talk about this and this. and the, you know, So <laughs> then they break it, you know, once they start breaking it down, I'm like, well, yeah, it is expensive. Uh, but a little investment to something else that you haven't invested in in the past right. probably won't hurt you. It'll, right. probably be, it'll probably be beneficial. And uh, so... Yeah, and that's where we're at. You know? Let's see who's going to get out there. Uh, we're also watching, you know, putting a Latino last name. What's that going to deliver on a ballot? Also, uh, millennial vote. Also, social media. I the, I guess uh, we're going to segue. We got a, uh, we we got a uh, Cineria Ordonez who's coming up in a little bit. We'll be doing a full interview with her. She is the interim director of the Houston Hispanic Forum. Speaking of education, they have their huge forum coming up this weekend, which you don't want to miss. We're going to keep Stace in the room because uh, oh, we got him here. I, I, <laughs> we got him here. We got him in 3D. Yeah, yeah, of course, you can you can go to um, uh, the Dos Centavos to find out uh, a lot about the, the special topic and special elections coming up, the important elections coming up. Uh, t just to kind of segue to our song and then uh, our, our next interviewee, uh, do you see anything brewing on social media? I thought there'd be a lot more. Actually, I, I kind of I'm impressed more by uh, Beto O'Rourke of all folks for social he's media. Doing, he's been doing a lot of great things on social media. Uh, some, you know, I've I've got a lot of you know regular friends that pay attention to politics, and I have a, a group of friends that's really into it. They're political junkies, and and will look at every little thing and say, <laughs> "That's not good. That's why do they do this?" And I've been doing the same thing with some of the TV ads I've been seeing, and sometimes that's not a good thing for people to hear. But uh, uh, but but yeah, but social media is important. It's become one of the best ways to reach more people and probably a more economical way than spending six figures on TV ads, mm. you know, that uh, deluging people on TV versus on online. Hopefully they'll be a little bit uh, more creative on the online stuff and get the attention of people. So uh, it's, it's very useful, but uh, ultimately it's that one-on-one -on -one contact, mm. the phone calls, the door knocking, having your, armies out there to contact people that are that are going to get the attention of that, those usual voters the ones that uh, no vote. way around it yeah there's no way around that but again if you're going to be going after millennials if you're going latinos i mean uh when it comes to internet use you know latinos are right up there as far as the rate of of use of the internet because uh if we don't have a computer at home we're going to at least have a phone right. with uh uh with uh internet capabilities so people can get their news if they get their entertainment they get whatever they get through uh the internet then you know yeah i think politics is a good way to reach them great of course right now the irony is that we're on traditional media <laughs> it's radio 90.1 fm kpft houston you're experiencing nuestra palabra latino writers having their say do want to remind you that the audio archives are kept at the University of Houston Digital Library and our hard copies are kept at the special collections at the Houston Public Library downtown. You can also catch this on podcast if you want to review it or share it in the class and that you can catch that at nuestapalabra.org. We're going to take a little break and we'll be talking about the Houston Hispanic Forum coming up next. And of course, we'll keep talking to Stace about other topics as well. Thanks for tuning in. This is Tony Diaz, Jack's running the board for us. Appreciate it. 
We'll be right back. Speed. <laughs> so tell us about life since we last saw you. Oh, it's been a wild year. I can't go anywhere now without being recognized or stop for my autograph. I don't mind really, but most of the time it gets in the way of making real connections. Ah, <sighs> that's better. I think when you've been burned by love, it's hard to open yourself up again. I guess I've stopped looking, but I'm remaining open. Think I can fly Think I can fly When I'm with you My arms are wide Catching fire as the wind blows I'm a better rich enough for pride I see a billion dollars in your eyes Even if we're strangers till Searching for love is like searching for yourself. When you find yourself, you find love because they're the same. But it's a lonely city. Sometimes I walk all night without being seen. so much you are tuning in to nuestra palabra latino writers having their say on the air happy to have stace in the studio with us he's sticking around to give us some insights that we want to share with you in the meantime to the magic of telephony we're happy to be joined by the young capable and brilliant senoria ordonez she's the interim executive director of houston hispanic forum where she develops and executes the largest career and education day in the huge state of Texas. She holds an undergraduate degree from Texas A&M University in College Station. Woo! I did that. I, that's not me. Just <laughs> I'm doing that with the fellow Aggies out there. With a concentration in international studies and a master of science degree in project management from St. Edwards University School of Business, for Houston Hispanic Forum, she oversees the mission and direction of the organization, which includes finances, program growth and support, and logistics. She gathers and analyzes program metrics, evaluates program performance, and develops best practices from student, parent, event, participant, volunteer input. Sinidia believes in empowering our communities because she understands firsthand the potential of the students and parents of the community we serve. At age seven, she emigrated with her three brothers to the United States from Honduras to reunite with her mother. After fighting for legal status for over 10 years, 
Sinere was granted a visa and deemed an exemplary citizen of the United States due to her high academic achievement, acceptance to the Science Academy in Austin, and her involvement as a community volunteer. After finishing the Science Academy in three years, hey, no lazy people here, she started college at Texas A&M, commuting from Austin to College Station to attend classes. During this time, she worked with her mother cleaning houses and helped raise two nieces. In July 2016, Masaru Nunez became a citizen of the United States. We were so privileged and honored to have her tell her story last week at Nuestra Palabra's first 2018 showcase. Welcome to the Airways, and thanks for calling in. Wow, thank you. I'm excited to be joining you today. Thank you again for this opportunity. No, by all means. I, and I, I really am glad you're on the air because you got a massive event coming up. I, I don't even think you're sleeping. You probably have to blink really quick right? <laughs> and then call that, call that a nap. Um, it's close to crunch time, right? It is. It, it, I mean, we're only a few days. We keep promoting four days away you know, soon enough, it, 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 it's intense, but it's exciting. You know why? Because we do it with a purpose, and we know what this event signifies and what it means to the students that are there at the doors of the GRB on Saturday, February 10th. And tell folks, tell, for the three folks in Houston that might not know about the Houston Hispanic Forum, uh, tell them the, 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 the brass tax details uh, and also the mission. Yes. So Houston Hispanic Forum is an organization that has been around for 33 years. So within those 33 years, um, it, you know, there is actually a community leaders like Dorothy Corral, oh Ray Gonzalez, yes. Gaspar who came together, understood that there is a need in the community. In joining forces, they realized that education is at the core of how we can serve our community. So the mission of the organization is definitely uh, to empower and inspire our communities, and through that is through you know, definitely be at par with the Hispanic interests so that we can continue to empower our communities. And one of the ways that we do that is through education, and Career and Education Day is celebrating 32 years. And it's a lot of fun, too. I mean... So about 10,000 students attend regularly, correct? Is that, I mean, there's a yes. bunch. Yes. It is the biggest career education or biggest career exploration opportunity that exists in the state of Texas. And we're talking about 74 different school districts that are partnering with us that are, you know, definitely feel the importance and that are bringing the students at the GRB. Uh, we have uh, 40 different career panelists on all five career pathways, and we're making it a family event because what we know is that when we are, you know, seeking those opportunities, aspirations, that education attainment, that we really are doing it in a family uh, set. And so for us, having an event that is family-oriented, I mean, we provide uh, free lunch, free childcare, um, and we also have a parent academy component to it. So while students are getting career panels, uh, sessions, talking, getting inspired by professionals who are honestly, literally from their same zip code and telling them this is what we did to get here where we are today, and then you jump into the middle school program, uh, where kids are getting continually motivated and setting high school strategies um, to parent engagement and uh, the parent academy and then opening it up to having exhibitors where you have colleges there that are more than excited and energized to talk to the families about the different programs and how, you know, just how to get into school, what are the things that you need. Um, and then in addition to that, you know, we have financial aid assistance with FAFSA. So we have an admissions and financial aid plaza within. So it's anything and everything that you need to get to your post-secondary destination this is the event for you on Saturday, February 10th. I love it. I think what's great, too, is that, of course, earlier um, we have Stace. Say hi, Stace. Hey, how's it going? Uh, you, you both need to talk. To, uh, he's got the, the awesome uh, um, blog, uh, Dos Centavos. But we are chatting earlier about um, General Kelly's statement about some um, our, our community being lazy and not applying. I, I want to bring that up only because I fear that sometimes folks may look at our community 
And because it's easy for some folks to apply and have access to college, they might not appreciate the difficulties. And the other thing we were talking about is some folks may not have applied for DACA because they were scared. And I hear from a lot of students who are uh, under DACA who are telling me that they're not sure what to do or they are um, – they don't know why they should keep going to school because they might not be able to, to, to get jobs after that or they may even get deported. How are you addressing this? And again, you know, it doesn't have to be directly because I think your whole mission is to fortify and inspire. So that you're, you're covering it. But I'm wondering if that has, that has kind of been a specter over, over some of the, the planning and, and how you um, organize some of the activities. Yes, it does. Um, great question. So I have two points to that. Uh, one of the points is that through our event, we have a lot of information within different programs to talk about one panel in particular about Dream Big, mm. and that is directly for DACA students, and it's being spearheaded uh, by one of our partners, Fiel. And so it's that conversation about just bringing it to the light, but also all the things that we can do and uh, what is at work right now. Another component in the admissions and financial aid plaza. So, you know, currently they are uh, opportunities for DACA scholarships or DACA recipients. And so also bringing that conversation to the financial aid assistance component of it and having conversations around DACA, and that's being handled by our partners, Catholic Charities. And so there's different um, areas, different components within the program that we are definitely um, talking to the community uh, in having these conversations. In addition to that, we also have another program called the Newcomers, and that is for families that are newly arrived, undocumented, and sometimes they just want a smaller room to talk about everything that is going on and making sure that we're connecting them with uh, the resources that are available and also continuing the conversation with some of those resources, connecting them with you know, that legal assistance. You know, there's a lot of other organizations that are providing that service. So uh, there's different areas and, and even having the conversation of uh, immigration, DACA, what does this look like, what, what are the laws. So that is uh, an important conversation, so we're not shying away from it. And it's embedded throughout different components of the event at Career and Education Day. The second thing I wanted to mention to you is uh, last week we were at an event where we were with about 400 parents. And these are parents who are, you know, have students in the Title I, low-income areas considered, and we were having that conversation. And we were talking about, you know, the DACA application, is it open, have you applied, have you not? And in that conversation, they said, Miss, why should I go or why should I try to have my kid apply uh, when we don't even know the existence of DACA? Mm. And and it trickled because it was a conversation that I was having with parents with about, you know, maybe about 10 of them. And their eyes of defeat mm. and their eyes of this is it. And at that point, you know, we're providing information. But what is it that you say at that moment that's going to lift our hearts, that's going to lift our hopes? and that's going to keep us fighting for tomorrow, right? Which is essentially wow. the question that you just asked. Wow. And I looked at those parents because all too well, I know all too real this feeling. So I looked at those parents and I said, but if we stop and if we don't go to school and if we're not sending them right now and preparing, are we going to be ready when that moment, because don't doubt it that there will be some immigration reform and when that immigration reform takes place, will we be ready to take the opportunities and be where we need to be mm -hmm. to continue the conversation? And so I think that when I said that, that basically for them it was like, you're right, our preparation is for that moment, for that day when it comes. So this is not the moment to quit. This is not the moment to say all is lost. This is the moment of because I truly and I think you're getting to know this about me, Tony. I truly believe in the power of education and knowledge. And that is something that could never be defined by a number, by a zip code, by a social security number, Man. by anything, anything. And so when we know that when, when we harness that and 
and build it up for good and continue to build ourselves, are we ready for that moment when that immigration reform starts? Or are we ready and are we a part of that conversation? And so... That's um, potent. That's you know, potent. I, think it's just I, I wish you were running. I wish you were running for something. <laughs> this is, this is, that's what I, I want to hear. Senators talk like this. I want to hear, you know, folks Definitely. that. <laughs> no, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. But, you know, it's just the, the reality, you know, and, and I'm going to step back a bit and I'm going to take back, um, you know, kind of like my experience. So my time during, you know, my stay here and. In, in the wonderful country of the United States, uh, you know, living living as an immigrant, as an illegal immigrant, I didn't know what DACA was because mm-hmm. DACA was not in our time. So my high schoolers, my high school years, it was whether or not I don't know what's going to happen. So, so for me, you know, understanding the conversation of DACA, where for me it's like you are at the greatest risk. Mm-hmm. Um, that day, that minute, uh, you don't have a year. You have a, you don't even have a day. You have hours and you have minutes. Hmm. Um, and what do you do with that time? But I can tell you that if we don't have the conversation and continue gearing it that way and what we're moving forward to and what we're propelling forward to, then and if we just sit down and say, this is it, no, this is not it. This is the beginning. Because now some of our parents, I said, you know, some of half of you, your, your kids are American citizens. And we're over here trying to work it, and we're here trying to see whether or not we apply or we, we are good with uh, DACA. And so it's just like, but imagine what we do if those numbers and those numbers help these lower numbers. And that's really what it has to come to. It has to have... A collaboration. It has to be on, on, on that conversation. And it has to, you know, the way I've, the way I've viewed the world and I see things is that, again, because I, we were always living on edge because tomorrow could be our last day here. Um, but the way that I, that I see it is that it would not, I do not need to approach and always have a conversation because I will approach with action. Mm-hmm. So when I come into the door and I speak your language and I understand all the things that you're saying and I'm helping the same community and we're part and we're coming to the table and we're having a conversation, regardless of what zip code, regardless of what party line you're in, let's, let's just have that basic conversation. I love that. Let me, let me throw this in, too. For, for folks listening, I want you to imagine this. You were able to get to this point because of your skills, your support network, your tenacity. You could have caved in at any point. You could have had bad luck and gotten deported and maltreated and kicked out at any point. I am so glad that you're, you're here. You stayed strong. That Danny Maron, Tinspiraron, Tayudaron, everything. Because Houston is better because you're here. Our kids are better. Because you're here. America's better because you're here. And this ain't no BS. They just need to go Saturday and see what you've engendered and that vision. And you just gave us a glimpse by who you talked to in that room. When I heard you speak at Nuestra Palabra, that was no corporate person. You could do that. You could you could spellbind folks at a CEO. You could make you know millions in the corporate room, but you're out here with us. So I want people to, to, to go home with that, that you are one of these kids. And think how much we've lost by everyone we've been cruel to and think how much we gain by everyone we treat in a humanitarian way. So that's great. I am so proud of everything you're doing for us. That's amazing and and that you're giving so much back. Well, thank you. But, you know, also I would like to add that I am here today because of different people who played a role in my life and who supported me, even people that you wouldn't think that, you know, would give us, but they have. So I am. Honestly, when we talk about melting pots of cultural, I am a melting pot of, of the people who gave in my life. And I am fortunate. And if, and if I, I, I know that I am lucky. And I don't know why things happen in, in, in the way that they do. And believe me, there have been a lot of moments where you just doubt yourself. And you're like, do I just continue this fight? <laughs> Is mm. it worth it? It is worth it. 
because mm-hmm. that moment that you reflect, you reflect upon others. And so if anything that I've learned from my mother, a single mother of seven kids, mm-hmm. is that she would tell me, I must be strong so you could be strong. And so that's the same message that we that we need to carry, but also at the same time understanding that coming back to that humanity point that you just made, that it was a mixture of people of all colors, of races, of ethnics, our socioeconomic status, who have been giving me just one chance, who have left the door open for me to sometimes not even fully walk into it, but just, <laughs> you know, mm. hey, I guess so, I am here. But... Again, it is a part of the humanity. I still believe in humanity because I have had people across different paths who have been giving me a hand. And so also just take a step back and also on ourselves talk about humanity and the people who have helped us and who have guided us uh, and sometimes not asking where, what, or what from. There's no lines. There's no barriers. There's only humans helping humans. Man, Sinelia, thank you so much for calling in. I, I want to remind folks, too, that this is an all-around intellectual experience. I've been there before and sat down with with uh, folks from colleges who brought robots that work underwater. Uh, you know, you're going to see Texas A&M there, uh, scholarship. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's an all-around event. Uh, any parting words it for is. folks? For me, obviously, I am super excited about Career and Education Day because I think that all this conversation that we've had uh, is really comes down to one thing. Do we believe in, their, in our students and our community's potential, and do they believe in their own potential? This is an event that you get to explore that. You get to ask questions. And anything and everything that you never thought was even possible, we're coming to the table and we're having those conversations. And so uh, we must stay strong. We must stay positive. And, you know, I again, I, I say it over and over again, I believe in the potential that exists in our community, and I think it's not a community that is at risk. I think it's a community that has a lot of beautiful things to it. It's just that when we go out to the corporate world, when we go out to mainstream, some of those words, some of those verbiages changes. Mm. So how do we tap into having our students understand that they are phenomenal, have great potential, meet them there, and then raise their expectations? Career and Education Day, February 10th, it's really a combination, not just of the work that we're doing at the Houston Hispanic Forum, but also our partners who are coming to the door and who are who believe in this mission and believe in inspiring, inspiring and empowering our, our families. So, yes, so. it's Good a team effort. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you there and invite folks out. I want to thank Jack, Jack for helping us out on the boards. Great welcome, job. Tony. Super smooth. And our buddy Stace for coming out. Give folks the, the website again. It's doscentavos.net, not .com or org, <laughs> .net. And it's in mostly in English. Sometimes I'll throw in some Spanish, but uh, always política, cultura, and everything else that maybe Tony might throw at me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna close with a poem. Donald Trump's Donald Trump's idea of chain migration is a figment of his imagination. So allow me to give you the real situation. If you're if you're a U.S. citizen and you marry someone born across the border, she can ask to have her status change or her for her kid or daughter. She can ask for her mom or dad, too. But really, that adds up to just a few. And under Trump's new plan, that's something you can't do. So don't go insane and call it chain migration. All Trump wants is anti-grandma legislation. Yo, this is Tony D with Nuestra Palabra. You can uh, click on that if you go to Libertafrica on the Facebook page. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget, we're going to have live showcases on February 28th. Visit our friends at Dos Centavos. Visit our friends at kpft.org. And don't forget, Tintero Projects is coming up next Monday. I nos vemos. Ciao, ciao. Dynamic duo Don and Dwayne Freeman of KPFT's Free Minstrel Show present... Comedy fundraiser benefiting KPFT. Join them for a show of epic proportions on the second Saturday of each month at Station Theater, 1230 Houston Avenue. The evening features some of the best talent from Houston's local comedy improv scene. 
All event proceeds are generously donated to KPFT. Comedy for 